change it, actually. Um, so um, I thought I'd start with a story. Um, one of my best friends who I've known for over 20 years, um, he, he's an atheist and I'm a Christian, and my 20 years of witnessing and praying for him has uh, probably moved him about an inch on that journey towards the faith that I've got over 20 years, which is always encouraging. And uh, the last few years, we've, um, we've spent... We've, we've got away for a day, a year, just to be to hang out and do something fun that we enjoy doing. And uh, this year, I was chatting with him, and I know he's been trying to move house for a long period of time, and it hasn't quite happened, and I've kind of... So I said, just t- tell me, what, what's going on with your house move? And, you know, wh- let me understand that. And he explained how it had taken so long, and his wife's an architect, had drawn all these plans, and, you know, and uh, I said, so tell me, you know, he, he, he's doing well in the city. He's, he's, he's doing all right. And I said, so tell me, what do you want to do with your house? And just let him speak to me about what he wanted to do, these great plans he had for his house. And I, the conversation went on, the day went on, and we, we all kind of carried on, and I got home, and on the Monday I was cycling into work, and I just thought, God say, maybe God said to me, I didn't know. Anyway, I just said, I just had this feeling, this idea that I'd write to him and say to him, his name's Jez, I say, Jez, look, I just, I just want to pray that your house would come through. So um, I wrote, yeah, that's why I sent him an email, I pinged it off, said, there we go. And he goes, he re- replies and goes, Ed, thanks so much. Look, uh, as you know, uh, I really appreciate it when you pray for me, uh, but as you know, I, th- yeah, I don't get it, right? <laughs> I don't believe in prayer, but I appreciate the thought, so thanks. Uh, and I said, no worries. And he said, and by the way, um, I just don't get, you know, why God would want to help me. There are loads of poor people that need help. I've got marriage. I'm, I've got a lovely wife. I've got a great job. I've got great kids. Why would, you know, God's not going to be bothered about me. So I wrote back and said, yeah, no, I get that. And I understand that God cares for the poor and all those kind of things. But he also loves you and your family intimately and dearly. And as any good father, he'd want to give your uh, family a really nice home. So we left it there, and then a few days later, he texts me and goes, oh, wait, by just, you know, so I'm praying for him. I've stepped out in faith. I've brought this awkwardness into my relationship that I treasure very deeply. And um, he goes, oh, by the way, just so you know, the house has fallen through. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I am gutted, because I feel, oh, God, what are you doing, man? I've just stepped out in faith for you. I've put you on the line. I've kind of done the kind of testing God thing, and you haven't rocked up. Um, really disappointed. But there's maybe somewhere in some, something, and Jez was great enough to say, look, Ed, um, may, maybe there's a better house out there, and thanks again for praying. He was really gracious like that. Um, and I'm gutted. I'm really angry with God, God. But anyway, I kept praying. I kept praying. Anyway, yesterday I sent him a text. So, Jez, what are you doing Thursday night? He goes, oh, I'm around. And I said, great, because we'd like to stay with you. Our family, we're going down that way. And uh, he goes, great. Uh, oh, by the way, we moved house yesterday. And I was like, What? So, um, it's less than three months. He's found a new house. That's a, I don't know what he's done. Um, But I'm daring to believe, uh, daring to hope, that maybe my prayers had something in that. And maybe his jaw dropped in the process. And maybe this house is better than expected and hoped for and imagined. And even though he's richer than I will ever be, God wants to bless him. Um, So I share that story because uh, I don't know whether, I have no idea whether God spoke to me as I was cycling in down Mayor's Walk or not. but I went to a, a, a talk at New Wine on, you know, there's a, the charismatic dude was in the main venue. I avoided him all week, yeah? So, and I went on the final day, and he just, he just did this really good exercise with us. So I'm going to do it with you. So can everyone please just close their eyes? As your eyes are closed, I can see some open. <laughs> okay, power, great. Um, if your eyes are closed, try to remember 
a childhood friend and a time you played with a childhood friend. Stop. You all got it? Okay. So we got to, he got this, this guy got us to do this exercise. And he said, when I hear from God, it's kind of like that. It's kind of an impression. It's some vagueness in the back of my brain. And sometimes it is from God, and sometimes it isn't. I don't know whether it is or isn't. I kind of say it might be. Sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I get it wrong. That's cool. But he says, the more I practice it, the more familiar I get with my father's voice. And the more I get to hear what God might be saying to me. And encourage us to be like that. So that all leads us, that intro leads us into, I'm doing a talk now. David Morton's given me the really small topic of love. So um, I'm talking on love. I'm not going to do anything profound. Those of you that have heard me speak before, that will come as no surprise. But um, the, I'm going to put four verses up. That's all I'm going to do. And I'll say nothing profound today. Nothing I say today you won't have heard before in Sunday school or other talks or whatever it is. So, but you have got out of, out of bed today. You've made it to church. I'd just be encouraging you as I'm talking. Maybe you're thinking about someone. Maybe someone comes to mind. You think, all right, maybe God's just encouraging me to love a bit better. Nothing to do with Ed. Might be to do with God's word that I'll put before you. And maybe that is God speaking to you. Maybe it isn't. But if at the end of today you think, I'm going to do something that shows a bit of love to that person, that's cool, isn't it? That's not a bad thing. So lean in. Be open to the fact that God might speak to you, and it might be a vague impression in the back of your mind, and it might have something to do with love. And then we'll quid in. No matter what I say, you might get something out of today. Is that cool? Is that a fair contract to start the day? Yeah, thank you. One person said yes. Uh, fantastic. So there I was, 28 years and two days old, exactly. Rach chose that date, so I wouldn't forget it. Uh, and I was standing in a vaguely smart pinstripe tails at the front of a church. It was very dusty, and I was struggling to keep you know, my kind of eyes dry. Uh, a few years before, I'd met Rach, and uh, it was lust at first sight. She was looking fabulous. A few years later, I then kind of asked her out on a date. She said yes, and we got engaged. And I'd seen her look amazing uh, many times. And uh, when I was engaged to her, I thought, flipping it, God, you are the creator God. That's amazing. All five foot one of what you've made there, I'll take. That's great. Thank you for making that. She comes down the aisle. She's looking even more beautiful than I ever imagined she could do or I've ever seen before. And it got really dusty at that point. Do you know, it was really annoying. No one else got the dust, just me. Right? So uh, there we were. And being a pious, self-righteous, 28 and two-day-year-old Christian, I'd prepared spiritually for this moment and I'd learned a couple of verses which I thought would stand me in good stead for the rest of my life in the sanctity of marriage, this wonderful institution that I was uh, wide-eyed, naive, and, you know, hopeful about. Um, and uh, the two, but one was Ephesians 5, I think it is. Um, give yourself up for your wives. Husbands, give yourself up for your wives as Christ did the church, presenting, them to, presenting her to God or something without blemish, wrinkle, and stain. So I'd learned that one. That was great. Um, and I think we had that in our, in our reading. The other reading we had... Uh, the, the other verse I'd learnt was 1 Corinthians 13, which I'd come to. Um, and it kind of goes something like this. I'm going to test myself now. Uh, love is patient, love is kind. Uh, love doesn't envy, doesn't boast. Um, 
Hang on, it's coming to me. It's not proud. It's not rude. Uh, it's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It doesn't rejoice in evil. It rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always uh, trusts, always believes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Uh, that's kind of it, but this is probably a bit more accurate. Um, and I learned that by the time I was 28 and two days old. And uh, then what happens? We went away on honeymoon and for two weeks, and that was great. And on our honeymoon, believe it or not, we had some sort of minor falling out. I can't even remember what it was about now. But, you know, it, it did, wasn't going well for at least a couple of hours. And I'm walking around, and I'm in a huff, and I'm pretty upset. I don't, I don't know what it was about, but I was fairly sure I was right and she was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I start thinking, oh, you know. Uh, and I start thinking, well, I'll learn these verses. And I, so, so I love his patience. Love is kind. And I realised I'm not being patient and I'm not being kind. And so I went back and I tried to be a bit more patient, tried to be a bit more understanding, and I tried to do something kind. Um, are you all right? Is that okay? Okay, fine. So love is patient, love is kind. And uh, what I find is when Rachel and I argue is that usually I go through a process of thinking I'm right and that she is wrong. And I suspect she goes through a similar process. Um, and usually, I would say, most conflicts, both people have a point. Both people have some time, something in them where they're right, and both people have something in them where they're wrong. You can take that from Israel to Palestine down to Rachel and I on honeymoon. We've been married now 15 years, or over 15 years, and I know what you're thinking, that poor lady, <laughs> how she put up with him, she'd have got less for murder. And you're also thinking, hang on, Ed's 43. Why is it he still looks like he could be in sixth form? So, <laughs> uh, so anyway, we've, it's in those 15 years, we've had a couple more arguments now, and um, one or two. And the reason I've forgotten the rest of that verse is because I've never got past the first six words in my mind. I've never found, when I'm in an argument with Rachel, I'm being either patient or kind. And so all I have to do is measure. When, I, when I'm trying to work this one through, I get to the first full stop, I realise I'm falling short. And I've got to, I come back and think, I've got to be patient. I've got to try and listen to her. I've got to try and be kind to her. And that's all I did. I never, I've, I've forgotten the rest, right? Um, so that verse has helped me a tiny bit in my marriage. Uh, I used it a few... I, came, I met it a few years before, actually, when I was a geography student at university. And... Most geography students, like me, did nothing very much most of the time. So I, I had a relationship that kind of broke down, and it was quite difficult. And I suppose like a lot of relationship breakdowns, I was dealing with you know, emotions of hurt and pain and all that sort of stuff. And having nothing much to do, I used to wake up each morning and lie in and just think about this relationship, I suppose, and go over all the stuff that had gone wrong and all the stuff that had gone right. And nurse my hurts, I suppose, nurse my grievances. And then I would turn, I was lying on the floor, because I was a student, and I was turned to this very verse, and I would measure all of my thoughts against this verse. There are 13 points, I think, in this verse. And especially, love doesn't keep a record of wrong. Even though I'd broken, this relationship had broken, I still wanted to care and love for this person. And love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love always protects, always per per love protects, I'm not going to gossip about this person. Uh, 
whatever it may be. And slowly, not overnight, but slowly, God, through these words, my thoughts were an overflow of my heart. So what I was thinking was where my heart was at. By holding my thoughts account, in account to these words, by measuring them off against my thoughts against these words here, slowly God healed my broken heart. Does that make sense? And slowly I came out of that painful place into a place where I was cool with it all, I could love this person, and it's, it was, I felt in a good place. Does that make sense? So that's the first thing, that's all I'm going to say on 1 Corinthians 13. So we're a quarter of the way through, happy days, all right? Jesus. Jesus said some really difficult stuff that I find hard to understand. He also said some really easy stuff that's really easy to understand, but really difficult to enact, to work out, right? Mark Twain said, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that bother me, it's the parts I do understand that bother me. So if you look at this sentence here, do not look down on anyone, or actually said any of these little ones. No four-year-old doesn't understand a single word. In that. Every, 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 every four-year-old here could understand that sentence. Yet I put it to you, it's a very hard thing to do. My spiritual journey for the rest of my life, I hope I make progress on this verse. But if I were to open up to you my heart and my thoughts, and please don't judge me for what I'm going to say now, but I'm just going to share a little bit about what that heart, my fallen, broken, sad, sinful heart looks like. I found myself looking down on the following people, and this is not an exhaustive list. Uh, Australians that use sandpaper in the wrong way. <laughs> That's a typical, topical cricket joke. Yeah, thank you, you're with me, great. Um, Man City fans, Welsh rugby fans, couldn't resist it, sorry. I, that's not actually in my notes, Neil, but I have to get in there. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. People wear different clothes. Um, interesting, I think, at the moment, whether you voted in or out on the whole Europe thing, it's quite hard, probably, for a lot of people not to look down on those that did the other one. Does that make sense? There's a lot of people looking down on the other people at the moment. I'm probably one of them. Um, deeply ingrained gender stereotypes. I like to think I'm a new age man. I have deeply ingrained gender stereotypes in me at times that come out occasionally. I don't think that's just the fault of men. I think sometimes women can think that about men too. Uh, sometimes women say men can't multitask. <laughs> Here comes an inappropriate joke. Bet most men here have sat on the loo and read a paper. Right, so... Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. But uh, that's just the kind of... And then within the Christian world, uh, I find myself, it's been a new wine. No end of looking down. Too charismatic, too evangelical, too high church, too low church. Hands too far in the air, hands never in the air. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? You're always on it somewhere, aren't you? You're always looking down on someone. Uh, or I am. Uh, I put it to you, the, the journey with Christ, the journey of love, as Christ shines his love into the murky corners of our hearts, those dark recesses, that light dissipates our judgmentalism, our... Areas where we're looking down on others. And it is a lifelong journey. It's a spiritual journey that we're all called on. And often, it's very different from religion. So Jesus, there is a, 
a, a regular theme I put across here, regular theme in Jesus' teaching, where he has a go at the religious. I'm really clear, when I read about the religious of the Pharisees, that is me. I am a religious person. Uh, he, Jesus says, do not judge. He told a story about an elder brother who looked down on his younger brother. He talked about some dude who had a speck in his eye and took some planks out of someone... Oh, sorry, had a plank in his eye and took a speck out of someone else. He had a fight with a religious person for looking down on a, a lady who was infirm. He told a story about Lazarus, who was a poor person looked down upon by a rich man. Um, he said this verse, now, now you... He said to the religious, now, now you see your sins remain. Because you see your sins remain. Someone this week I had some kind of theological conversation with, I said, oh, what, what about the Tower of, of Babel? And I started making a point about that. He goes, no, no, I don't think you've got that right. He just cut me down. He was probably right, but he was so sure about what he saw, he cut me down. Maybe God was in what I was saying, but he was so clear on what he saw, he wasn't open to God telling, telling him anything else. Um, and my final one I love about Jesus, he said, no, take nothing with you for the journey. How has this got to do with anything about not looking down on people? If you're going on mission and you're taking nothing with you on your journey, it forces you to get into a dependent relationship with those you are being missioned to, that you are preaching to. Uh, the first thing Jesus said about going on mission is take nothing with you on your journey. Take no superiority with you as you go out and tell people about Jesus. Because then you just become a religious, stubborn git. Do you, do you see what I mean? Who's so convinced that he's right that you just end up just being annoying. Um, go with humility as you take the gospel to whoever you're going with. Romans 12 says, do not be haughty. Proverbs says, do not be haughty as well. So uh, that is the difference between being religious and being full of Christ. Religion, actually, as you tithe over many, many decades, as you come to church over many, many decades, it subconsciously builds up this sense that you're a better Christian than someone else. Uh, that's, that's, I'm just speaking about myself there. Very subtly, you begin to think you're a better Christian than someone else. Um, whereas in Christ, there is neither slave nor free. There's no economic difference at all in Christ. Neither Jew nor Gentile. There's no racial difference. There's no racial difference in Christ. There's neither male nor female. So that's it. Do not look down on anyone at all. Third one, really easy, love your enemies. Um, pray for those that persecute you. And then Luke 6 says, love your enemies and do good to those who, you, who hate you. Is that what it says? Yeah, I think I missed a you out there. Do good to those to who, who hate you. Uh, who are your enemies? Bono said this, Bono said, um, choose your enemies carefully because your enemies will define you, because they will define you. Who are your enemies? Maybe you've got someone who's your enemy. Might be someone at work. I spoke to someone last night who lost two nights sleep just because of his boss. Um, who is your enemies and how can you... You'll know who your enemies are because you think about them a lot. They'll spend a lot of time in your mind... Uh, and what you've done is you're actually chained to them because you can't stop thinking about them. Uh, might be for a couple of days, might be, but they will... How can you break free that enemy? Uh, one way of doing it is, is to be nice to them, be kind to them, to pray for them. That doesn't mean being a doormat. If they're abusing you, don't stand for it. But um, those people who you are chained to, 
maybe a brother, maybe a mother, maybe a, a child who has constantly violated you. Uh, maybe a parent, maybe an uncle, maybe an aunt, maybe a friend who's constantly ridiculed you. They are your enemy. Love them. Um, this is really different message to the Zeus of Jesus' time that would have zapped his enemies. It's very different from a leader at the time called Ronald Bump, who used to take his enemies down with lies and bullying and all that kind of stuff. Uh, last thing. Uh, he is kind to the ungrateful and the merciful. Uh, sorry, ungrateful and the wicked, be merciful. I think this is different from love your enemy. I think love your enemy is a deeply personal thing. Um, who's your enemy? Love them. Who, who is it? You, in the world, at your work, in your family, they're going to be ungrateful, wicked people. Um, be merciful to them indiscriminately, just as God is indiscriminately. He makes the sun rise on the awful people that have done awful things to you, and he lets just as much as he's done you. Wicked people will do well in life. That's the deal. Uh, God will be gracious to the wicked people. Um, he loves the wicked people. Um, and the challenge for us in our workplace, in our families, in our interactions, is, not to, is to have an attitude that we'll be merciful to every single people. Ten people got healed, one came back and thanked and praised God. God was gracious and healed all ten of them. Very easy to understand, very hard to do. And I'm going to stop there. Four verses, that's all they are. I know it's not the best PowerPoint, sorry about that. Um, I've been at New Wine all week, that's what I'm going to say. What we're going to do now is we're just going to dare to believe that we can, maybe God can speak to us in some kind of strange way. You've got, you might have a bit of a pen and a paper, uh, you might have a phone with a notepad on it, you might not, but we're just going to have a few minutes uh, where we're just going to write down anything that might have come into your head. And this is now, we've sung at God, we've spoken at God, now just giving God a chance to speak back at us. We're not going to ask anyone to share anything, so don't worry, it's entirely a personal matter between you and God. As we do this, just for three or four minutes, um, Simon's going to come up and just lead us in some music just to kind of make it slightly less awkward as an atmosphere.